sometimes it's not so much that you need to launch something else it's like you need to address the things that are like killing your motivation with the main project hello and welcome back to indie bites the podcast where i bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less in this episode i'm joined by a returning guest andy cloak who runs data fetcher an api plugin for Airtable that he's grown to 20k mrr in our previous episode andy was only at around 3k mrr so this conversation we talk about what he's done to grow so rapidly including investments in new marketing channels and hiring talking of marketing channels how many of you have an email newsletter or are thinking of starting one well i have just the tool for you email octopus are an indie email marketing platform built to support other small growing businesses like yours they are focused on affordability and ease of use which is perfect when you are starting out as a bootstrapper Email Octopus contains all of the features you need to reach and grow your audience. And you can start today without paying a penny on their free plan where you can contact up to 2,500 subscribers. To try out Email Octopus, head to emailoctopus.com or hit the link in the show notes. Before we get into this chat, I just wanted to mention platform risk. We recorded this a few months ago when things were looking quite rosy for Andy. But as we all know, things can change quickly in the software world, especially when you're building on another platform. Airtable have introduced some changes, which means data fetcher has actually plateaued around that 20k mark. So take this episode as an inspiration for growth, but a cautionary tale for building on another platform. Let's kick off talking about the growth Andy has seen. Andy, welcome back to the pod. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Thanks. It's great to be back. And yeah, it's been quite a journey since last week. It has. We're here in person. So start off, how have you grown over the last two years from sort of a, a steady 3k you were maybe struggling with some churn problems to now you're at 20k what sort of things have you done yeah so i'd say we're still like struggling with churn to be honest like what's interesting is although it seems like a totally different stage that we're at now in some ways it's just been more of the same so like the churn's always been between five and ten percent but like the other stuff kind of starts to cancel that out so because you've just got like more users, more kind of customers, each month you have more people that maybe they cancel once, like six months ago, but then they come back because they have a new project or a new use case. You've also just got like a few hundred customers and that means you're getting more people upgrading each month. So although you get more churn and actually the absolute churn numbers become quite terrifying, but we've just got more people that are kind of, yeah, using the app and running requests each day or running like data imports and then upgrading. And then in terms of like the how we've got there, I guess, it's just incremental improvements to the product. It's like, it's not super exciting, but it's basically just talk to users, see what they need, improve it. And then, you know, offering, like I still do all support. So just offering that really like thorough and like quick support. And then we have started to do like more and more marketing. So still get like 50% of the customers from the marketplace, but then also just like putting out a YouTube video every couple of weeks. That's just, just consistently doing that for a couple of years. We've now got a bank of like a hundred YouTube videos. And so that is just like steadily growing and, and, when people search for those for those use cases, they find the video, they sign up in the app. So the total number of like new customers that we get each month, I guess, as has steadily increased, even as the churn has. So that kind of cancels it out. So the users that you've got through the Airtable marketplace has that stayed quite steady, or has it grown and compounded as you've grown? Yeah, it's hard to say because you can't do like proper attribution on there so because they come from like an airtable.com like domain or like url we can't really see we can't like put a tracking pixel and see 
where is everyone coming from? What we can kind of see is like, have they followed along with a YouTube video? And so we can see like, this person definitely came from YouTube. We kind of assume everyone else didn't, but they might've found it like, you know, word of mouth, someone might have recommended it. They might've searched on the marketplace. We kind of just has to assume it's like all through the marketplace. And that's definitely ramped up. So I think our brand, I guess, and like our sort of like organic recommendations has really gone up over time. So like sometimes I'll see like an Airtable, like forum post, you know, I, I go to click on it and I see that it's like, would be a relevant use for like data fetcher. And then the top comment will be someone like already recommending data fetcher. So within this tiny kind of like niche, just our like sort of brand awareness and, and like organic recommendations has really gone up, which has made our marketplace traffic go up. Having a free plan, I think has been really important for that. So just like the fact that we have a free plan, people can try it. They're kind of like loosely aware of it. And then they have that use case. They come back a year later, they come back six months later, and then they upgrade. So I think just just surviving, I guess, surviving in the market means we're just just kind of, you get this momentum that there's amazing because I'm still putting the same work in. I'm yeah. still doing the same amount of work each week, but like, it just feels like there's a bit more, I guess, momentum pulling, pulling that revenue up. How much does it feel like a machine for you? Because in those early days, it does feel like a grind and you're like trying to find different growth channels and you're sort of throwing stuff at the wall. Whereas when you get to a certain point, it does feel like you're just putting the same inputs in and the outputs coming out are growing with the business. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it definitely starts to feel like that. And you realize, I guess you have a bit more leverage and you've got a bit more revenue coming in to like spend the money on, you know, like a hide a, a part-time developer now. So you can basically like, you know, you, I, it's not just me anymore. I've got someone making YouTube videos, someone writing blog posts. I've got a developer. So just like having that makes a, a massive difference of being able to like reinvest a little bit. I guess like still very dependent on me. Like I'm, it's still very much like a owner operator business. Like it's nowhere near like sellable or like runnable by anyone else yet. Like it's getting there, but it's going to take a couple more years. At least. Yeah, because we were even talking about how you do holidays because you've been doing this for a few years i'm like andy when have you last done a holiday and it was just you can't be like fully away from the business whereas larger businesses like some of our friends that have raised and built bigger teams they now can actually take guilt-free time off so you mentioned you've grown using seo and youtube is another channel for you i've spoken to loads of founders that have done seo less so those that have done youtube what is your strategy for youtube and how have you sort of implemented that over the last couple of years yeah so the way that youtube started as i kind of stumbled upon it so basically like there was an Airtable forum post that was like yeah i've got a list of urls i want to grab like the favicon for like each of those and i was like oh, i can definitely do this as an api for that i can use data fetcher to do it so i answered the guy in the post but then i also recorded a youtube video just to like kind of out of curiosity and put that in the post as well and then i could basically see that he'd followed along with the youtube video but i could also see that like a handful of other people did as well so they were all following this youtube video and i realized okay like, like i've moved something here and then out the other end has come like a few users and then one of them became a customer and it's like okay this is actually the first scalable marketing channel that we found we were trying seo but it wasn't really weren't getting any results but this is the first thing we're like i did something and by the end of the week it had affected growth and it's not just like oh, i post it on reddit it's like this is actually scalable so then it's like okay how do we you know do this more broadly so basically i looked at like yeah the most common use cases recorded like a use case video for each of those and like they're, they're pretty budget to be honest like especially my early ones it's just like me doing a screen recording being like oh in this video we're going to import crypto prices whatever it is and then i just kind of show you how to use the app no editing just like post it up and yeah it seemed to work like the views are really low but the intent's really high and just doing that like pretty consistently every couple of weeks for some reason i think youtube just seems less competitive although it's not I think it's just less saturated than SEO. Um, yeah, and it's it's 
a higher barrier to entry yeah. even when you're doing these simple videos which are just a screen recordings with little editing yeah. that's probably why it seems less competitive but as you say low views high intent and you were just sort of googling a few of these search terms and you could see your videos were coming up on a lot of these search terms and if people are searching for a specific thing they have the intent use your product is such a great flow yeah definitely i think yeah it like it requires being uncomfortable to do them and a lot of like yeah a lot of people just don't want to do that and like don't get me wrong i did the first 40 videos and i hated every single one and like i often had to do three takes but like even if you have to do three takes it only takes like five to ten minutes to each one so it's still only like half an hour's work it just feels you're just like i hate doing this and you get them and it get easier and then eventually i hired someone to to do it and then as i know like as long as i get x customers per video like this is a good roi and so yeah basically it's it's I think it's like a quite an untapped market. Or, and then the other things like discovery with SEO, you've got to do all the backlink building and like the, yeah, kind of like trying to, you know, keyword optimize it. You can do that on YouTube, but even if you do a reasonably bad job of that, because it's less competitive, YouTube still shows your stuff like in people's discover pages. It still shows them on the Google search results as yeah. long as you've got the title right. So like, I think, yeah, I think it's just, it's kind of a, it's a really good channel for kind of when you need something that's like, as scalable as SEO, but like a little bit easier to do. Now, when it, as you're growing, it could get a little bit boring and many indie hackers would want to do something else. Have you done anything else, launched any new products while you're doing data fetcher? Yeah, last year I went for a little phase where I was just like, really really yeah like kind of bored of it which, what mrr were you at when you were starting to feel i guess like 10k just after 10k maybe 12k that's um, interesting so many yeah. people are like striving for that 10 15k mrr mark and they sort of want to get there so for you was it underwhelming or was it just you're in the rat race now of building it and you want to do other stuff yeah i don't think it was so much like the arrival fallacy of like getting or anything it's more just like so like when i was like contracting before this like i never really had a job for more than like a few months and like I'd always quite like jump and ship something new and like at that point I've been doing data fetch for like two years and that felt like a long time and I think it, had, it definitely went for a transformation from like you're working on lots of like new exciting features to like yeah doing that stability stuff doing more like maintenance stuff like that and so I just started like spending like I don't know a day a week or something or like a couple of days at a time just like trying to look for like other ideas and launching something new so I launched like a really bad like AI, like type in a prompt, get an image, and then you can order it as like a mug mat or whatever. Like it just like, yeah, it wasn't very polished or, or good. And then launched it and then people were just using it to make porn. Um, <laughs> but then I also launched like a second data table extension, which I think wasn't so much like, it was partly like, oh, I want to just like, you know, do this and like scratch an itch to make something new. It was also like, I thought there was an opportunity there and I thought it could work well with data fetcher. So it was like a data visualization tool. So the idea was like, you know, pull your data in with data fetcher and then create like charts and reports out of it from with the data and that's so that's still live in the marketplace it's got like 25 customers it's kind of stuck in this in-between stage of like it's got it's at a couple of hundred mrr it, i think it could like improve but it's quite hard to like focus on it when data fetch is making you know yeah. like 100 times the revenue it's like is this is this worth even looking at and then kind of I, i've noticed like my motivation for data fetcher through having like launched a couple of other things that ne don't necessarily do so well it's quite just quite a good stark reminder of like how hard it is to get something to 5 10 20k mrr so like kind of came crawling back and <laughs> double down on data fetcher and re also realized that like sometimes it's not so much that you need to launch something else it's like you need to address the things that are like killing your motivation with the main project so like hiring another developer to work with and just talk through stuff. So talk me through some of the people you've hired and at what point you decided to do that. 
I've hired people for like one-off tasks. So if there's a development thing I just can't figure out or like a database thing where I need, you know, some help, then I'll just hire people for like half a day, a day just to like. And then the first like kind of ongoing hires were for the marketing side. So yeah, this person that's making YouTube videos as well as someone to write a blog post. And that was just because it's like, I've done enough of this to know that someone else could do it and to know the system for doing that. But it's not really a good use of my time. I also hate doing it. So like, because of both of those things, I'm going to hire, basically outsource it. So those were the first hires and that was uh, around 5K MRR. And it's always striking that balance of like, how much do I want to invest back into the business? I'd rather keep the profit margins like reasonably high and try and like take money out of the business so that also just because of that platform risk. So like worst case scenario in three years time, like this all like all goes kaput because Airtable launch a feature which makes data fetcher redundant. Like that's that's a genuine risk. I don't think it'll happen because I don't. I think data fetcher is kind of like they've already got scripting. You can write a script to import data from API. They've got a thing that's like completely no code where you can sync a Google sheet or something like that. So they've kind of got the two things either side of data fetcher. I don't think that they're going to launch like the equivalent thing. They might do, but like, and it's definitely a worry. But the way I look at it is like all businesses have risk. That's you just got to kind of like embrace that risk but also take as much money out of the business over the next like two or three years and how, how does the future look like for you and data fetcher because the obvious thing in your head right now will be do i sell do i raise is that even possible with an app and an ecosystem do you contact Airtable and try and get them to buy you instead of building it where's your head at with all of that yeah, I think raising from like tiny seed or like Calm Fund or something like that is probably a possibility. I know they've invested in like things built on Webflow and yeah, like other things that are built on a platform. I think generally that like those kind of investment options are good when you're like about to go full time and you want to speed that process up. For me, I'm like, I don't actually know what I'd spend the money on. Like if you raised, I don't know, 50 or 100 grand from them, it's like, well, I'm already full time. I don't have like a marketing machine where I can put that money in and like get it out. I don't have like paid, ad, paid ads working or anything like that. So it's like kind of what's the point of losing the equity to do that. And then in terms of like selling it, it's like if you sold it now, that'd be great. And you could probably use the money, like you probably buy a house, but then I'd have to start someone else or like go and work for someone else, which like the main reason I started was to not work for someone else and starting something new is like really, really difficult. I might know obviously the, the flip, like the other factors with that is like, could it all go away tomorrow? Yes. So like there's a, there is an argument for like sell it to de-risk because like you might get nothing out of it, yeah. which is kind of what we're talking about earlier. So that's, that is the other factor. And then the other possibility is like you find another idea that you think is even bigger. You get some traction with that. It's growing quicker. And so you sell it to like focus solely on that thing. But I don't have that other idea at the moment. Well, Andy, congrats on all your growth. It's been amazing to see from the sidelines. You've been on the pod before, so I end every episode on three recommendations, a book, a podcast, and an indie hacker. Yeah, so the book is Psychology of Money. The podcast would be, it's just called Acquired. And the indie hacker would be Curtis Herbert, who runs uh, Slopes. It's like an iOS app for skiing. But he's got an amazing blog where he basically has chronic, chronicled like his entire journey building it um, from, from nothing like seven years ago. Andy, fantastic recommendations. Thank you so much for coming back on Indie Bites. Thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bites. To show you support for the show, I'd appreciate you checking out our sponsor, Email Octopus. All links are in the show notes as usual, and I'll see you in the next episode.